Diego and Tom from Fontaine's DC are here. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you, How's Paul? it going, Paul? Good, good. And uh, yes, uh, Diego, very impressed. You identified the year of Rum, Sodomy and the Lash, which is, because I can't read it off the back of the CD. Uh, what was it you said again? 1985. Yes, I believe you're correct. Uh, before that, from 1969, well done. From 1969, The Stooges, and uh, from 66, The Beatles, of course, and uh, the closing track from Revolver, The Immense Revolver. All those albums, all celebrating anniversaries today, and all of them classics, of course, and all of them subject of intense musical discussion with my two guests, actually. You're really... It's, it's incredible to watch and listen to musicians uh, who are so into music and so into making records. Cheers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you're discussing things like the, the placement of the tambourine on a pair of brown eyes there just now. I was very impressed, what they say. Thanks, Paul. Uh, clearly a lot of studio craft under your belts now, even at this early stage, but a brilliant stage. Uh, Heroes Death, second album. It's out in the world at last. Uh, although it hasn't been very long since the debut, of course. Um, how are you feeling about it? Really good, yeah. Um, happy to have it out, you know. Um, it was a real uh, real kind of gamble for us because it was more introverted and more kind of revealing, I think. It is. It does feel like a more... Um, uh, yeah, as you say, a more kind of uh, introverted, uh, internalized uh, kind of record. Um, was that a, was that something you just set out to do? You just we, we we want to kind of react to the first album or be a be a, a counterbalance to the first record. Um, because the fascinating thing about it is, it seems to in that kind of introversion and in that kind of uh, uh, difference in in the, in the in the overall kind of tone of it. It's not as outreaching. It's more reaching. It's the inner space, and it seems to almost chime perfectly with with lockdown. But of course, that's impossible because it was made long before yeah. lockdown. Right? Yeah. yeah, I suppose uh, that's just how we were kind of feeling at the time uh, on the road. We were kind of getting very introspective, and it's funny that it came out at a time where a lot of people are feeling a little bit more introspective now because of lockdown. So, yeah. And was there a sense with this uh, release as well that? Um, not that you wanted to react against the success of the first album, but I, I get a sense that there's almost a, a, a slight defiance in as much as this album is kind of saying, uh, certainly with some of the lyrics anyway, I, I felt it was there, there was a certain uh, defiant refusal to bend creatively to whatever diktats might be kind of thrown your way with a, with a successful debut album, particularly one as acclaimed as Doggerel, and there's a certain pressure to maybe repeat that, and it seemed to have a kind of a, a, a united stance that we're going to do our thing here, this is it, and it's the record we want to make, and, and, and that certain sense of creative defiance has kind of fed into, into some of the, the songs. Totally, yeah. Um, that's what we wanted to do with our first record as well, and uh, we continued that uh, train of thought, you know. It's funny that uh, we kind of got told who we were by the press after uh, we made our first album, and um, we kind of tried to put that aside when we were making our second one and just continue the train of thought of where we wanted to go with our music and how we wanted it to sound and just ignore the expectations in that way because I think that would just kill you, like, creatively. And the album... I mean, it has arrived in short order, and uh, I know that's something. Again, we'll 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 get back to that in, in terms of how uh, the ongoing uh, situation vis-a-vis -vis live shows may be, in fact, kind of inadvertently affecting the release schedule. But um, we know that there were there there was a, an earlier um, uh, aborted attempt uh, to, to to make the album. Um, you decided it wasn't going the way you wanted it to go. Uh, you went 
you took it back uh, to the producer of, of the first record, Dan Carey. Uh, was it because you felt that it wasn't achieving that kind of uh, that's that ambition that you had for it? It was uh, a really difficult decision to make, obviously, because we had gone over to LA and we went to this great studio where like the Stones recorded and Prince recorded and Led Zeppelin recorded and the Beach Boys. Yeah. And uh, we're, we were working with Nick Lonay, who's a really cool producer. Um, Nick Cave, of course, yeah, among, yeah. among many. Yeah. yeah, totally. And uh, so then when we came back with results that didn't capture the idea of the songs that we had in our minds and our imaginations, then it was a really tough like, um, call to make. But we just knew that Dan Carey got us on a level um, that most other people actually just don't in life in general. It's a rare thing. I mean, it's, a, it's with a lot of bands and producers, they're kind of thrown together. They, they don't necessarily, they don't have a lot to go on, certainly with the first record, you know, a producer and a band, it's, it's a mutual sort of leap of faith really to an extent, isn't it? And if it works once, it's, it, it's probably not the worst idea in the world to maybe stick with it. Totally. Um, we were just really excited by the opportunity given to us to go and record in a great studio like that and yeah. live in LA for a month, you know. And so we jumped at that, but then, you know, that we learned as much from what didn't work there, you know, that we could bring that back then to Dan and really make the album what it needed to be. Yeah, and that being the case, though, I mean, it's it's very much and uh, immediately strikes the listener as a as musically a, a step on from the first record, it, there seems to be a lot more layering to the sound. There seems to be more going on. There's certainly more going on in terms of the instrumentation. Um, you're, you're even playing a bit of guitar on the... A little the, bit, Paul. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. I uh, took the leap and picked up a six-string, <laughs> so... Yeah. Well, it works really, really well, actually. It's the, it's the beautiful uh, closing song. I'm, I'm right about that, right? Yeah. The, the, the song, no, no which... Yeah. Um, which is, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but now we brought it up and before we get to the first track, which is the title track, and then we'll, we'll return to the other things. But that, that song, No, I, I think it's, it's quite something to uh, end an album with um, a track that is, it's so empathetic and kind of healing a song. It's, it's like a message to someone who's really struggling and it's such a warm outreach of, of, of a song. Is, is, is that what's intended by it? It's certainly what I'm hearing in it. Um, it's funny. It's uh, a song that we worked on for a long time. It wasn't ready when we went to LA to record. And it's something that we just believed in. It's a song that we really wanted to finish and have on the record because it was so special to us. And it just gave a different, like if you removed it from the record, the record I think would have a different feel. But I don't know, this is going to make me sound like a mad hippie now, but I don't know, have you ever got into tarot cards? I mean, I'm aware of what they are, and and I wouldn't. No, I'm, I haven't studied it or anything. No. Well, there's this tarot card, and it's called uh, the Tower. Okay. And it's just basically, it describes this scene where you're in this tower, like a monk's tower with no door at the bottom, and uh, there's a window at the top, and it's the middle of the night, and uh, the the tower is on fire and it's burning down, and it's you know there's no hope, there's no escape, and at the last moment, uh, lightning strikes through the window and signaling the moment of rebirth like and it's you know i use these i use tarot cards just to think about life and have discussions about what they might mean with my friends and uh-huh. you know um when i think of now when we're playing it or when we were recording it i always visualize that card because to me the person who's singing that song is in that moment of darkness and 
things are coming to an end, but in that moment of need, the the opportunity for change comes. Yeah, uh, I mean that's uh, that's a slightly different reading than, than than the one I guess I was imposing on it, but still, it does it does have that note of kind of. Um, it's, it just feels very empathetic to me. I don't know. I can't. I can't really uh, describe the emotion that it. But I. I, I think you're right. I think without it um, occurring right at the at the end of the album, it would the album would be telling a, a very different story, because it does go to particularly in the earlier part of the record on side one, I suppose. Uh, it does go to some kind of dark places, or at least songs that might be interpreted as being written from a dark place. Yeah, probably. Um, I think that. Uh first half of the album is very uncertain of itself and very lost from my perspective. Yeah, I mean a lot of it seems to reference, and correct me if I'm wrong please, it seems to reference a certain uh, fatigue, uh, emotional, a physical fatigue, a disconnection. Um, is you, you, you worked very, very hard uh, on the promotion of, of the first record. Uh, are, are a lot of these songs just coming from where you were psychologically, uh, because that that's that was a lot of playing and a lot of moving around and a lot of uh, dislocation. And uh, I mean, I know how that feels, even for the moderate amount of it I've done in my life. Um, but you guys were really like it was. You, at one point, I was just uh, genuinely going, "Wow, wow you know, uh, these guys need a week off." You know? Yeah, it was a it was a it was a pretty tough eighteen months. Um, it was just kind of constant touring and constantly on the road and in hotels and airports, and you kind of lost. Lost a, a kind of a sense of place, I suppose. Yeah, and a lot of the, the songs were kind of written on the road as well, and we were listening to very kind of down tempo music, to kind of like as a reaction to the kind of the high energy gigs that we were playing. We mm. kind of needed to like take things back a bit, I think. So, I think a lot of the songs come from, yeah, just kind of a reaction to what we were going through. I suppose it was a it was a grueling it it like eighteen months, but we were definitely uh, yeah, we were definitely going through the ringer a bit, like. And uh, it's the old cliche of uh, you know it makes you stronger and everything, but you certainly you've, you've come out the come out the other end. And um, the the song actually speaking of coming out the other end, a hero's death was a bit of a looking back on it now. Um, when when it arrived ahead of the ahead of anything else we'd heard on the album, um, it kind of wrong footed me a little. I wasn't the, the album is is kind of a lot. It feels a lot darker. And now in the context of of that, and if you're listening in sequences, I do side one, side two, and all that sort of thing. Um, it's it sort of arrives just in the nick of time because it's it seems like a bit of a, a restorative, a bit of a corrective to, to some of the darker songs that that come before. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit of a it's a bit of a more of a positive lift. Uh, Very much during during a kind of a. Um, uh, kind of a darker album, I suppose. So yeah, yeah. Uh, let's take the title track. Actually, we'll, we'll start. We'll start um, on a lighter note, I suppose, and uh, we'll uh, go with a hero's death. You've also uh, picked a few other tracks by uh, other artists. So hopefully, get through as many of those as we can. And the time I have you here, I know I don't, I don't actually have you for the whole two hours, so we better push on. Uh, hero's death uh, is up next. It's Fontaine's DC. It's Tom and Digo in for a chat with me, Paul McLean, on Today FM. If you want to get in touch, oh eight seven four one hundred one zero two or live at todayfm.com. And I almost forgot a chance to win a lovely limited edition uh, colour vinyl of the LP as well we don't actually have it here but I promise you it is on the way if you win it this evening uh, so yeah stay tuned more from Fontaine's DC musically and chattily uh, to come in the next few minutes
Fontaine's DC on your radio and Fontaine's DC, well two of them at any rate uh, Tom and Diego here in the studio uh, thanks once again for joining me gents, uh, much appreciated um, everybody's talking about <laughs> the album and it is very much on course midweek at any rate um, for number one, not just here but in the UK um, other albums uh, notwithstanding of course by certain other um, Aaron Jumper wearing mega pop stars but anyway um even even the fact that it that it, that it is in in that position midweek, and I wish you all the best, obviously with the with the the, uh, the end of the week, and hopefully we are looking at uh, number one record. I know that's not top of your priority list, but are you surprised at the extent to which this album has has uh, performed? I, th- I think so. Yeah, I mean, we were never expecting to be uh, neck and neck with like Taylor Swift, really. To be honest, <laughs> that wasn't on our like agenda at all. So. Yeah, definitely surprised by how it's been going for the last week, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think some some bands, um, and I think you're one of them, um, can get away with sort of tearing up the rule book. I mean, here we are in a situation where no band can tour now really effectively, certainly not in the in the conventional sense to, to promote an album. You can do the, the wonderful virtual things that you've been doing um, on social media and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of getting out there and getting on the... The real uh, promo touring thing that model for the moment is, of course, unavailable uh, to any band, and yet, um, combined with the fact that 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 you've made this um, kind of very staunchly, creatively uh, uh, defiant kind of record, it is absolutely the record you wanted to make. Not necessarily the record that others may have wished you to make, and not necessarily the record that by extension, they may have anticipated would be a commercial performer, and yet here we are. And I think some bands just get away with just sticking to their own vision, and it just seems to work. It seems to kind of work almost, it seems to almost break the system and work against all expectations. I mean, that's what we're, I suppose, just trying to just put out music that we're super happy with and yeah. kind of not take the commercial success, try try to put that out of your head, you know? It's... um no great art comes from trying to make music that's commercially successful so yeah yeah what do you think it is is resonating with people though in terms of your music because on the face of it, it you're that band that kind of came along and it just blew up in a way that I haven't seen I'm, I'm trying to think when I, when I last saw something like this I guess it was probably Arctic Monkeys maybe and maybe before that Oasis where it just seems to it's a rather unexpected degree of success not undeserved but unexpected and what I mean, is there something what do you think you were you, there, bands that do this I think are always answering a question that's out there that people perhaps haven't really articulated I don't really know honestly Paul to be honest we're yeah. just we're just writing the tunes that we're that we're writing and we're really I'm, I'm super grateful that people like it you know and that's um yeah, I don't. I don't know what what resonates with it. I suppose yeah. we're just trying to be ourselves as much as we can. I think it might be the authenticity, and you can't kind yeah. of. I guess you can't. That's the thing about authenticity. You can't fake it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you did choose some other um, tunes uh, for me to play this evening. Uh, a real good old good one, actually, that caught my eye immediately. So I'm going to play that next. Um, it is. If I can find the right fader, there, there we are. It is on vinyl this evening, folks. I brought it in. I brought it in from home, specifically. Um, and it's uh, Jonathan Richmond, The Modern Lovers, uh, Roadrunner. Who, was it, who picked that one? Was that, it you, Diego? That no, was me. It was you, Tom, yeah. yeah. One um, of my favourite tunes ever. It's just such an amazing like rock and roll tune. So it's so simple and so driving like the class. 
As a drummer, um, what do you think of the countdown? I think it's amazing. It's just, it's that like, <laughs> oh, it just gets you every time. Like, uh, if, so you're not, yeah, if you're not familiar with it, uh, the reason I mentioned the countdown is because most drummers would respond more to a, a one, two, three, four kind of thing. Uh, Jonathan Richmond doesn't do one, two, three, four. This is what he does. I've got to reach behind me to actually press play, but you hear it in a sec. One, two, three, four, five, six. Brilliant stuff. And uh, very much uh, that character of defiance that I was talking about uh, earlier on that uh, characterises much of A Hero's Death, the new album from Fontaine's DC and Tom and Digo join me in the studio. Uh, before that, we had uh, the choice of Tom, uh, Roadrunner, of course, uh, Jonathan Richmond, Modern Lovers, uh, the Modern Lovers album. And uh, yeah, it's just, it still sounds incredible, doesn't it? It does. It's so, uh, it's so ahead of its time, like, it's amazing. It yeah, such a driving thing to it, like. Yeah, and I, it, I, I was just saying as it was playing, it just it could have been recorded last week, and um, actually I'm going to listen to it now when I get home and really uh, annoy the neighbours, because um, I brought in my LP, so I'm going to take it home and uh, blast it. It's just ah, it just sounds great. Uh, it did I, when I was listening to um, I was not born. It reminded me of bands like the Modern Lovers, and of course they're very influenced by the Velvets, and I know you guys are are very into your Velvet Underground as well. We've talked about this before. Um, but you were saying, uh, Diego, that that song was, just existed on people's phones from a sound check or something for... Oh, yeah. Well, we started writing that in a, in a sound check in a gig in Switzerland a year or more ago. And uh, it was just the three of us playing different riffs at the same time. And it was kind of mad. And we we're playing at different keys and stuff. <laughs> and uh, we were just kind of messing around and found something that sounded good. And Trev was filming it out from the floor and none of us recorded it on our phones or anything so it just existed on his phone in a video for a long long time like so mm. if that had broken there'd be no <laughs> if he dropped his phone down the loo yeah uh, we could have lost a great song yeah because it just has that driving kind of thing um, that, that, that dynamic it, it almost it, uh, I'm not reading the album in every case as having you know well this is this album's version of that song from the previous album but I guess from, if, I, if I had to pick one that was redolent of Boys in the Better Land um, that would be the one, but it's it's a bit more um, a bit more aggressive than that, though. I mean, the message of that song is pretty pretty in your face. I mean, as opposed to the the kind of introversion of of much of the rest of the record, that's 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 one moment where it really kind of jumps back out at you. Yeah, I think it's uh, and when I'm playing it, I just feel like it's it is similar to Boys in that you, I feel free when I play it, but yeah. I think it's a lot more defiant in its freedom than. Um, than boys is I think boys is kind of a bit free more freewheeling yeah yeah absolutely I think it is it's very much a statement of intent I think and uh, yeah I love it it's the one that leaps out it's the one uh, that a friend of mine said they'll all be they'll all be roaring it uh, down the front row it's that song yeah. it, may, it may even be the one to, to kind of kick off the set when we're when we're doing such things if we're ever allowed to ever again and let's hope we will be soon um, I'm going to go with another uh, choice of uh, the bands now in terms of other bands and uh, actually Diego this is one of yours Brian Jonestown Massacre we'll play the track I'll tell you because we're pushed we're already quite pushed for time so I'm going to play the track and uh, then maybe we'll get a, get a bit of a chat about it um, because for a change it's a band that I would claim not to know quite so much about so uh, maybe I'll get a bit of an education in a few minutes Brian Jonestown Massacre Duck and Cover is up next on Today FM Brian 
Brian Jonestown Massacre on today FM as chosen by Diego from Fontaine's DC as I was saying before Diego they're, they're one of my slightly slightly shameful blind spots that band uh, I'm very aware of them and I know they, 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 were, they had a very high profile a few years ago particularly because on the back of that movie about the uh, relationship uh, good and bad between that band and the Dandy Warhols um, Dig Dig that's the movie thank you yeah. thanks for digging me out <laughs> oh <laughs> You dig, dig yourself in there. Digger with the dig out there. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of all I know. They're a band, and then there was that film about them. But I'm I'm missing a lot then, obviously. That's all you need to know. They're a good band with good tunes. No, I need to know more than that. I need to know which <laughs> you know which LP do I get? Where do I start? What's the crack? Revelation uh, is definitely the one to start with. I think. Right. That's yeah. What, probably. That's what that that tune is from. I think that's like the best piece from from start to finish. Revelation. Personally. Okay, I'm right yeah. that down. Well, you said you asked me to make you a playlist, Paul. So yeah, I, I can't say no to you. Oh, good man! Thanks very much. I I, I look forward to um, perusing that and uh, updating my collection accordingly. Uh, Duck and cover uh, was it? What, which which LP is that from? Then is that from? That's from Revelation. Oh, that's from Revelation. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like the sound of that. I like the drums. Mm. I was saying it's the it's the same drum beat that all singers do. If you let them anywhere near a drum kit, a singer will sit down at your kit and start that doing that every single time, Paul. <laughs> See, I'm doing it now. <laughs> I don't even have a kit. Yeah. Um, are you one of these drummers that doesn't like that? Doesn't like people anywhere near his drums. Like very, it, it could be you very know, much so. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. Don't like, touch my drums. Like. There could be a ride cymbal <laughs> flung across the room. Yeah. Uh, I was. Yeah. I went out to the room one day when we were rehearsing early, and I was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll play some drums and try and learn a beat or two And uh, I told Tom when he came in, and I was like happy about it. I was like, "Oh, Tom, I was playing drums for half an hour," and he just goes. Right, you were, were you? Okay. <laughs> I was trying to be nice about it. You totally were, but like I could see the cogs turning. Like, don't touch my drum kit. <laughs> yeah, it happens every time. I can't, I can't like not think like that for some reason. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know what? I think it's the mark of a great drummer. Thanks. Yeah, you know, you're serious about it. It's just don't mess with my stuff. You yeah. know, it's that 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 is not stuff to be messed with. That is, you know, that's my stuff that I need to do my thing. And you don't know what you're doing for a start. <laughs> so just, you know, leave it alone. Um, we got to go to a break shortly. I'll use this uh, little moment that I have actually to um, read you a couple of messages. Uh, loving the show, Queensland FDC Fan Club. Looking forward to seeing them in Brisbane. Uh, for the rescheduled gig. That is from Peter F. I don't know if that was cut off or if he's just actually characterised himself as uh, Peter F. Anyway, thank you, Peter F. in Queensland. Um, hi, FTC from Canada. Uh, okay, these messages are getting slightly more confusing. Uh, it, it was envoyé de son iPhone. Anyway, that's all I know about that one. Uh, no name, as usual. And then somebody, oh yeah, Caroline. Uh, original, innovative and assured performers, Paul. Cool, says Caroline. Uh, somewhat ticking me off for suggesting that, I, I was saying authenticity was a good thing. Authenticity? Question mark. They're super musicians. I... <laughs> I didn't say they weren't. <laughs> I, I didn't say they weren't. Anyway. Thanks, Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> You're very good. <laughs> Thank you, Caroline. Thank you all. 0874-100-102. Live at todayfm.com if you want to get in touch. And I have just enough time uh, to give you, the listener at home, a chance to win a copy of, not just any old copy, but a limited edition colour vinyl copy of A Hero's Death, the new album by Fontaine's DC. And uh, I, I've, used my, I've used my two best questions. I've used my two best questions. Oh... Okay, what can we ask? What, what, what might they not know? Well, actually, what might somebody know? But I, um, We've done Who's the Lead Singer. We've done Who... Yeah, we've done What Was the First Album Called. All right, complete the title of the following Fontaine's DC song. It was their debut single. 
It was called Liberty What. There you go. Couldn't be easier. Liberty What. 0874100102 or live at todayfm.com. But I'll tell you what, don't forget your full name, whereabouts in the country you are to receive your own uh, vinyl, coloured vinyl copy of Fontaine's DC's second masterpiece, A Hero's Death. Just Liberty What. Complete the title of the song and get it to me before the end of the show and I'll let you know if you've won in due course. We've got to go to another break, then the news is board, then more from Fontaine's DC after all that. To Paul McLoon on Today FM. A lucid dream. And that is Fontaine's DC from A Hero's Death and Tom and Digo are still with me. And uh, you were just t- uh, talking while that was playing that, um, Digo, you were saying it's the one that you're really looking forward to uh, getting out there when... when as I say, hopefully soon, uh, you are out there on the live circuit again. That's when you're really looking forward to playing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just such a vibey tune. It feels like our drum and bass like song. Like the <laughs> genre yeah. of drum and bass. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, are, are you guys in a little faction that way in a band? Because sometimes bands are like that. You know, it's kind of like the, the bass player and the drummer. Not not in a personal relationships way, but musically. You're kind of, are, you, are, you, are you kind of developing stuff together in terms of how a song turns out? No, not really. We we were more in each other's pockets and shoes in this record. Yeah, I think so. I think I think we like we had more conversations about uh drum and bass stuff writing this record than we did the first one. Yeah. Totally, yeah. I think we were way in a kind of a writing you were writing drum parts to kind of have they were kind of like sentences in the first record. Yeah. And then this and this record we really just went like Let's make some groovy stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that's what we were doing. Yeah, I think so. It does feel more of a, I mean, it's a stupid thing to say about a band that have been, you know, uh, a band for a while and obviously are very much a band, are very much a great live band, but there is more, there is uh, kind of more of a band feel to this record, if that isn't too absurdly obvious a statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, when you work in the music industry long enough, you realise that everything you say means nothing anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it it feels I, I guess it, it's to do with the production and then the textures and the layers. Um, whereas the first record, it does it does have that progression of the first record having been very much here's a set of songs we play these live, we go into the studio, and we do them, boom. Um, whereas this feels like it's a bit more considered and a, and a lot more layered and a lot more subtle stuff going on. For instance, you pointed out Tom during uh, uh, the song we were playing, "Every Hero's Death," that it's got this woodblock percussion thing going on. It I hadn't even heard it. Yeah, it was a little. A little uh, wood-blocked uh, layer in the in the uh, chorus. So yeah. you know, it's wee things like that. Like you, you, you don't notice it until somebody points it out, or if you do notice it, you don't know what you're hearing until somebody tells you what it is. Mm. So I guess that's what I'm saying. It's a bit more painterly production. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> layered. Yeah, that, that's where uh, Dan Carey really shines. Like that's his. Um, that's what makes him really passionate. Like is all those little touches, and he'll just come up. Like we'll go, oh, what will we do here? And you'll go, oh my God, I've got the perfect thing. And I'll come back with this box and you'll be like, what the hell is this? And it'll have like an, a key like to turn it on and it's an instrument. And you'll be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and it's like this organ thing we used on so many things. What's it called? It's the like, clavier line, is it? Or? Oh no, it's the other one. The uh, uh, Swarmatron. Swarmatron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what? Sorry? Swarm- Swarmatron, yeah. yeah. It's just like really strange. It looks like... Take them to the Swamatron. <laughs> no idea what it, how you'd even describe it. He, he plays it with a screwdriver, like I don't even know. <laughs> Honestly, think, like 
I think there's only like five, five or ten of them in the in the whole world made by this guy in guy. America or something. Yeah, yeah, this one guy in New York. Some yeah. boffin, mad professor type character, no doubt. Yeah, a total recluse. Have to really difficult to get in touch with. The kind of I'm gonna have to look that up. That just sounds amazing. That sounds like I've got to have one. I've got to get one. I have no idea what I'd do with it, but I just want it. Um, yeah, the Swarmatron, very good. And also Celeste. Did I see Celeste popping up a lot? Yeah. In this, in the album notes. I think. I think. Did Did you put some Celeste on that, or, or was Carlos put it on? You said I think did he? Yeah, I think it was either. Yeah, I think it was either Curly or Carlos, and then we did some piano. and We did some Celeste mm. on there. Yeah. Um, it's a cool instrument, Celeste. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, as featured on Sunday Morning by the Velvet Underground. I believe, I believe I'm right in saying, <laughs> for those interested. Um, back to another one. You insisted on it being another of your choices, Diego, so we're going with that. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, shameless bullying going on here, honestly. <laughs> I just um, feel left out. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel left out. The, the last one was on. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> It's like uh, kids in the back of a car. Um, uh, too late to turn back now. Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose. Uh, neither of us knew very much about this. You knew a bit more than me. Um, I do like it, though. You were saying, you were talking about Motown uh, earlier while uh, A Lucid Dream was playing. And this is in a, a not dissimilar vein. Um, you first heard it in the Black uh, Klansman movie. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Cornelius Brothers, I believe they're from Florida. Florida in the 1970s. So there we go. Um, let's hear it. There's a lot of music, actually. Funnily enough, this reminded me of a lot of music that's new music that's out now. Stuff uh, like Duran Jones and and uh, people like that who are making records now. Is this kind of vein of music something that you're particularly very into? Or yeah. You're just yeah, we've all, well, as a band, we've been into Motown since the beginning. It's really influenced us. Like, I don't know if you've noticed the amount of tambourine and yeah. backing vocals on our records. Like, it's all to do with, like, really just loving, loving Motown. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about influences. I mean, they, they, you can be influenced very profoundly by someone. It doesn't necessarily mean you sound like it. It just means you use something from it, right? Yeah, totally. I guess they're not Motown if they're from Florida. Then oh, either. no, these guys aren't Motown, no, but you were talking about Motown. Yeah. It's soul music, so I'm generalizing. Well spotted. Sorry. <laughs> Definitely not on Motown, because they're from Florida. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is uh, Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose. Too late to turn back now. Turn back to turn back now. Yeah, Florida. Could have been on Motown, though. And Diego, yeah, I think you, you managed to invent a kind of a sub-genre or a label that should have been but wasn't. Flowtown. Flowtown! <laughs> I love uh, it. Just the absence of wit in that one is just, <laughs> so punishing. <man. laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Um, uh, Tom, you were saying that uh, Lucid Dream that we heard earlier on, um, as was... As you were saying, it's your favorite song to play live, but your favorite song from the album. Am I recalling correctly now? You said it was you said. Yeah. You said it was you said. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, shall we hear it? Shall we play it? Stick it on, yeah. And then you can tell me why you love it so much, apart from it being on your new album, of course. Uh, why wouldn't you? Um, more messages coming in, actually. Uh, hello to Tom and Diego from Rachel in Falmouth, Cornwall, UK, and the Fontaines DC fan group. What's really going on? Oh, Rach, how are you? How are you, Rach? Ah, hello, Rach. Oh, obviously you know Rachel, do you? Uh, yeah, she's a prominent member of our fan club. Very good. Our lovely fan club. Excellent, excellent. Uh, what's really going... Is that the is that what the, the group's called? 
on social media what's really going on or am I that's imagine? it yeah yeah I think I've seen that I don't know if I've joined it sorry I gave you a badge <laughs> I've got the badge but I don't know if I actually joined it online I'll correct that immediately after the show uh, thanks for the badge by the way oh no worries uh, it's it's greatly treasured along with my Beachland Ballroom t-shirt that you gave me as well oh yeah I'm, I'm getting the entire outfit in installments from Digo. Oh nice. <laughs> yeah it's underwear next though. <laughs> it's, it's just in time it'll all be assembled in time for the winter wardrobe uh, anyway yes Tom's favourite you said from Fontaine's DC on the way next Fontaine's DC from the brand new album of course A Hero's Death the soon to be number one A Hero's Death I'm telling you I can feel it in my water. Uh, that, of course, was uh, You Said, and uh, which Tom said was his favourite song. Any particular reason that one is the, is the one for you, Tom? Just, just the uh, one you I, uh, when, when we wrote it, I think, I think uh, Carlos and Curly kind of wrote the, uh, the main um, riff in a hotel room in Belgium. Mm. So that was kind of knocking around for a while. And then we, when we were kind of writing, we were jamming it out and, and the tune just kind of fell out of it, kind of fell out of us pretty much formed as is on the on, like as it is now so yeah. it was a really really nice moment that it just kind of happened really organically like th- there wasn't that much chopping and changing or talk about it it just kind of happened so great was, songs often really I mean nice. just anecdotally great songs all, so many great songs you'll hear that story repeated yeah. you know you just go well it's a classic song yeah well it was actually written in, uh, during a lunch break in five minutes it's honestly yeah. really freaky because I have a lot of the demos from that summer on my laptop mm. and we'd have left, you know, we'd have all the tracks set up and such things. So um, we'd just keep it rolling. And we were writing some song when we were just getting back into the groove of writing and we just kind of played it. And then there's a minute, a, a sec of silence and we kind of start jamming something and it literally just, tur- I have the recording of literally turning into You Said and like forming the song. Wow. It's nice. really cool. I'll show it to you. Yeah, you should. Yeah, it's... Uh, Really nice. It's so interesting. The moment, uh, the moment captured. Um, speaking of your, you know how you go again with with the situation the world's in right now, um, and the, the the disruptive nature of that. Um, out of lockdown, obviously, that's that's challenging for everybody. Getting back into being a band that that means a different thing now as well. Are, is are rehearsals? ongoing uh, I, I take it they're kind of a if they're happening at all they're probably happening at some kind of social distance or what what is the plan going forward now you've done you've done a record it must be challenging right now to not be able to have a, have the plan which normally at this point I presume you'd be in rehearsals for the tour that was going to go out there and 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 bring this this record to people in live venues around the world but that's clearly not happening immediately so what is the plan Um, <laughs> yeah, either of you <laughs> I was just looking at Tom going to answer that point myself um, yeah uh, we're just going to take some time off and do you know we were supposed to tour through the year um, but obviously the pandemic affected that so now we kind of are forced to take our time off before we yeah. go on tour so we're going to just go and do some do some, have some time away from each other and see what happens so we'll be actually on different cities all over the world, really. Yeah, you were telling me this. I didn't. I, I wasn't sure if you wanted to go into it on air, but since, since you brought it up, you're, you're, you're. Yeah, you are. You're kind of spreading out a bit. Yeah, I'm moving to Paris, and uh, Curly's in New York, and London. Or Green's in London, and um, Carlos is in Madrid. And uh, oh, okay, so obviously, <laughs> rehearsing is probably a little more challenging than yeah, even yeah, I was saying. Yeah. 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 So we'll be on Zoom a lot. Of, yeah. 
Not really, like, I don't think we'll... You wouldn't at all, but just even in a kind of a catching up sort of sense, in terms of... Oh, we would, oh, yeah, we would talk to each other definitely yeah. on Zoom, but we wouldn't be... I don't, really don't think we would be jamming on Zoom. No, I doubt that. That'd be kind of hard. It'd be hard to say. Well, it's, it's, it would be doable, but it'd be a lot of... Be a lot of technical. I mean, you did do that. That you did do the 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 uh, during lockdown. You did a couple of lockdown things, right? We did, yeah. A lot of setting up, though. Would it be? Yeah, there was a lot of kind of hassle with it, and it, and it wasn't like um, instantaneous either. So, like, I'd I'd like play my part, send it over to. All oh, right, okay. So, so yeah, and then so it was it assembled. Live, like, yeah, right, okay, okay. Because I was wondering, yeah, um, how that would be done without delays, wrecking everything, and yeah, and, you know, because you're not in the same room, basically. Mm. Um. You're staying put though, Tom, are you? Hope oh, well, I don't know what I'm at, Paul, t- to be honest. Like I'm thinking of uh thinking of staying in Dublin and just battening down the hatches for the winter and mm. seeing what happens, to be honest, but I'm not sure. We'll see. I'd read I think it was you, Diego, and forgive me if i if I'm attributing this to the wrong member of the band, but you were saying that it wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility that you might actually get another album out soon. That was probably me, yeah. <laughs> get kind of fast and loose in these interviews sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, we always had this ambition, at least I always did, of doing three records in eighteen months. because yeah. the because Bob Dylan and the Beatles and the Stones did it in the sixties. Yeah. Um, but now the pandemic has kind of made us have to shift some things around. So hopefully we can do it in two years. Yeah, mm. but you're all. I mean, it still works in, in a kind of a. Uh, you're you're all writers. To, to an extent, right? You all yeah. kind of you, you're all creating songs, so you never know. I mean, this this separation that uh, that you're about to do certainly when you do reconvene at any rate, if it doesn't happen during it, I guess the perspective that that you've attained by the time you sit down again is going to is going to feed into the work again because you strike me as a band that are very uh, profoundly influenced by their immediate surroundings and the, and what's going on there in, in your life. Definitely, yeah. I can't. I mean, I can't wait until I see the lads after like six months of not seeing them. Everyone will have so many tunes to jam, so that'll be, yeah, it'll be really cool. Yeah, well, we look forward to it anyway, uh, because uh, well, we still got, I mean, we still got a couple of minutes with you, but uh, we got to uh, push on through. We got to play uh, another one of your choices now, Tom, because Diego's had <laughs> free reign now. No, no, I- literally for the last half an hour, forty minutes. Uh, what are so you playing? I insist. Well, I was going to go um, with uh, Jackson C. Frank. Um, and as he's he's one of those artists. In case I do, I do have it lined up, don't I? Yes, I do. I have it lined up. I had a horrible thought there that I hadn't lined it up because it's on vinyl. Uh, Jackson C. Frank, yeah, he's one of those uh, guys that didn't um, he didn't make a lot of records, and rather sadly, uh, kind of had a had a bit of a sad time of it. Did Did you know a lot about him before you listened to the music, or not a whole lot? Um, I I only really know this song, and I kind of read about I kind of read about him that. I think there was some story where he was living with Paul Simon or something back in the sixties, and Paul Simon produced his record. That's right. And um, I think he only did one record or something like that. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, very good. Yeah, ten points. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's all I know. <laughs> it's kind of all there is to it, really. Yeah. It's quite. It's uh, quite sad. The guy. The guy had a few uh, problems. Bless him, Jackson C. Frank. But uh, very talented. He's got a song called "Blues Run the Game," which was right. very popular, covered by a lot of people, including Nick Drake. I think Nick Drake used to. Uh, uh, included in a set as there, I think there's definitely a recording of Nick Drake uh, doing it oh. somewhere although it's not on any of the Nick Drake albums but it's it's on one of those uh, kind of compilations of odds and sods and bits and bobs uh, that came out in the years since um, but yeah 1965 Paul Simon produced it I think during his London period or his England period uh, before he went back and uh, 
gave Simon and Garfunkel another go, which obviously was a terrible career move. Um, but uh, still, we'll always have his production on Jackson C. Frank's <laughs> album. Um, Got to line this up again. Once again, it's on vinyl. Uh, and once again, uh, apologies for me having to step away from the mic to press the button. This is High Tech Broadcasting at its zenith, guys. Autoluminescent uh, is the title of that. The late Roland S. Hurd, as chosen by Diego. Before that, Jackson C. Frank, as chosen by Tom, both from Fontaine's DC, of course, my guest in the studio this evening. And thanks for staying on, by the way, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for choosing such great songs. And uh, no two, two great examples of great songs. We already uh, spoke about Jackson C. Frank. Uh, but another gentleman uh, sadly departed, and uh, also with a an initial in his name I've just noticed, which is rather serendipitous, Roland S. Howard. Uh, I really only am aware of the, the connection through Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. He was he was in the lineup for a while, right? He was in the birthday party. The birthday party, that's what it is. Beg your pardon. Yes. I knew there was a Nick Cave connection. Um, but I'm not terribly au fait with his solo work. You were, we were both just uh, noticing a, a bit of a, a, bit of a bo- bang a boy off that, so to speak. Yeah. Um, very, very like uh, Space Odyssey, actually. Yeah, one of the... One of the the kind of chord progression or the, the 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 feel of it with the the acoustic guitar and everything does, yeah. Space Oddity does spring to mind. Um, you were saying it's it's cool hearing somebody influenced by somebody that's influenced you. Yeah, it's um, it's nice to hear that they have influences and that uh, you know, they weren't just born from nowhere. Like mm. because uh, it's kind of inspiring in that way because it makes you feel less like a maybe like a copycat or less like a phony. Does it irk uh, you as a band or well, you as an individual even when, when comparisons are made? Because early on, they were throwing comparisons your way to beat the band. And I actually thought after a while, that must get a bit kind of tiresome. <laughs> yeah, it's actually um, something that a lot of our fans kind of mock at the moment. Um, in the YouTube co- comment section, has gotten to such a degree of comparison to so many different bands that people are actually commenting going this has a real Fontaine's DC vibe to it (laughs) (laughs) just as a kind of revolution yeah because like you could deconstruct everything to the point where you know you pretty much map the the genome of every single aspect of I mean it's it's a bit it's a bit kind of it's it's a bit joyless I mean it takes the fun out of it I think you know stuff either you either respond to it because it's good or it moves you in a certain way that makes you think I like this it is good and uh, be aware of yeah well maybe these guys have been checking out this that or the other or not you know I mean for instance much was made um, in the run up to the release of the new album um, again it was probably because you mentioned a co- you mentioned it a couple of times in a couple of interviews and then all of a sudden the vibe is well the new Fontaine's album is going to sound exactly like Pet Science because yeah. you know Beach Boys got mentioned in a, in a couple of interviews totally I mean, I and it do, I mean, I we're going to go with the next track. We're going to go with is actually uh, "Sunny," which is a beautiful song towards the end of the album, and it's the only one where I really, I, I can I can hear that that beach that Beach Boys thing that people were seemingly talking up ahead of us. Not that it didn't intrigue me, um, but it's it's the only track where I actually think, yeah, I can hear they were listening to a bit of Beach Boys there, especially the drums, Tom. Yeah, yeah, a couple of wee things that the snare does. That's cool. Yeah, on Sunny, I kind of went, oh yeah, yeah, I kind of get that now. Yeah, 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 I get what they're talking about. Uh, but it's a beautiful song, 
And um, do you mind if I play it? Can I can I play one I like? Absolutely. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll play it next. Oh, 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 before we go uh, next, Archie, because we are running out of time, unfortunately. Um, hello to our winner this evening who is in Tipperary. Liberty Bell, of course. My very hard question tonight. And uh, thanks to everybody who texted and WhatsApped and emailed and from those who did with the correct answer, drawn from the correct answers, of course, uh, in temporary, Zoe Fitzgerald. Well done to you, Zoe. You've won that uh, coloured vinyl edition of... Oh, hey! Well done, Zoe. <laughs> um, yeah, well done. Yeah, that uh, coloured vinyl uh, copy of uh, A Hero's Death is on... A, that's a limited thing, right? I think I saw a thing today yeah. saying there might be a few coloured ones left in these shops. I like that. That's good. That's kind of subtly getting them out. Get, get out there and buy that. Please buy a record. Do you know? We don't want a certain someone getting all smirky at the end of the week now, as she is wont to do. I have my Kanye West style intervention rehearsed anyway. So can't wait for it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do it, but I won't. I was, that would only spoil it. Uh, anyway, well done, Zoe. And uh, the album is on its way too. And uh, yeah, next up, uh, that song that I love from the album, Here's Death by Fontaine's DC. And the beautiful Sunny, that's S-U-N-N-Y. But there may be a deliberate uh, play on words there. But anyway, uh, it's on the way next.
And with that, they were gone. Uh, Can, amazing, just amazing. I play Can on this show a lot, and I always get a great thrill when someone goes, "What is that?" You know, and you can kind of, well, well, <laughs> well, young man, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, listen, guys, that is. Uh, that is it. That's all I've got time for. Thanks so much for staying with me for the whole show. I really wasn't uh, expecting that we would do that. And I'm really sorry we didn't get through uh, a lot more um, with the album. But we, we covered a fair bit of ground, I think. We did. Um, so thanks again. And listen, if I, if I don't see... Well, you're you're staying pretty much where you are. But Diego, if I don't see you before... When are you, when are you due to head off to Paris now? About two weeks. Yeah, well, look, if I don't see you, have a great... Uh, a safe trip and uh, stay safe and stay well. Thanks very much. In, in, in Paris and uh, enjoy your sojourn there. And I'm sure our paths will cross again before too long. Merci and, beaucoup. Uh, oh, yes. That's good. Good. You do well in Paris now with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do well with the old French. Um, yeah, and I, I know things are kind of uncertain and, you know, everything's kind of weird, but congratulations on the album and uh, enjoy the break and whatever you do next, every success with it. And uh, yeah, the best of luck uh, with the chart position as well at the end of the week, of course, because it would just be, just be the icing on the cake. I know it's not the most important thing, but I would love to see it and uh, the best of luck with it. And thanks once again for coming in. Thanks for having us, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. You're listening to Paul McLuhan on Today FM.